Antetokounmpo. Williams, stout defense. Threw it to himself. Oh, he's eviscerating the Celtics inside. Wow. Just pure talent, just pure instinct. You know, he's a great player. He, he does things that uh, are unique and special and, and timely. And happy he's on our side. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. I had a really good time today watching sports TV. I didn't watch a ton, but I watched a little. And listening to sports radio. I was listening to Cowherd's show a little bit today. I watched a couple clips from ESPN this morning. Uh, Broussard and Wilds and Nick Wright on First Things First. I just, I wanted to get a little sample of what everyone was saying about the Bucks and the Celtics. And obviously yesterday, the Warriors and the Grizzlies was awesome too. And we just had the draft. So it's not like Bucks Celtics is the only story right now, but I wanted to hear everyone's take on it today. It's really funny listening to a lot of the talkers today. Not revise history on Giannis, but I don't know. Covering their tracks is a little, it's an aggressive way to put it. But I, I was listening to Cowherd and his segment today on the Bucks right before I came on. And he's like, well, I've always said about Giannis. It's like, okay, I remember. I remember what you said about Giannis two, three years ago, right? I saw a lot of tweets yesterday during the game saying, Giannis is the best player in the world. And I'm like, he has been. He has been. For over a year, I thought dropping 50 in the finals was enough for you guys. But no, the 25 points in Boston in a random game one yesterday. Now you're all on board. All right, good. Just make sure we're all on the same page. I found it very odd. All of these sports talkers and writers coming out yesterday. I think Giannis is the best player in the world. It's like, well, I, I know he is because I watched the playoffs last year. Um, but I'm glad to see you're finally coming around. Welcome to the party. Oh, Bruce Willis. Welcome to the party, pal. It's the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you had an awesome weekend. Little surprise yesterday. I didn't really think the Bucks were going to win. Wasn't that a nice pick-me-up? That was fun. Uh, the rest of the weekend, I basically was on the couch. Saturday, I did nothing. I caught up on the draft because I was really busy Thursday night. And Friday night, I was so tired. I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to touch any of this. Uh, I'm going to bed. I went to bed at like 10 o'clock on Friday, which is very early for me, especially on a weekend. So Saturday, I was catching up on the draft, going back and looking kind of what happened in round one. And then Friday night, rounds two and three. So I, I feel like I have a better handle today, obviously, compared to what I had on Friday. When we chatted on Friday, we hadn't had the second, third, fourth round. We hadn't gotten into day two or three. But now I, I feel like I got my feet under me. I got my sea legs with the draft. So I'm excited to talk about that today. And obviously, I'm really excited to talk about the Bucks. No guests. Nope. None. It's just you and me. So we have plenty of time tonight. If you want to call in and talk Bucks or talk draft or talk both, call in. Bring them both up. It's fine. I got nothing but time. We got until 6 o'clock. We don't have a guest to chat with. No Zach Heilprin coming in. Mm-mm. At some point this week, we'll probably talk with Justin Garcia. Uh, actually, I have it written down. I've been planning ahead this week. We're going to talk to Justin on Wednesday. Brian Sampson, our good friend, Bucks Film Room, going to be here on Thursday. But today, just you and me. And I'd love to chat Bucks with you or draft. 608 796 You can give me a text or a call. You can find me on Twitter if Twitter's your thing, at Wisco Grant. I'm going back and forth on Twitter right now with a couple people about Beaver Tranquilizer. Because DeAndre Hopkins, this afternoon it was announced that he tested positive for some PEDs and 
some fantasy football guy made the joke that he tested for three separate types of anabolic steroids and a low-grade beaver tranquilizer, uh, which is obviously a joke from the movie Dodgeball. I just thought it was funny thinking about beaver tranquilizer. Would there be a more difficult animal on planet Earth to put to sleep? I don't think if you don't live near a body of water, uh, you don't understand. You don't grasp the drive that those little bastards have. It's unbelievable. I think it would be harder to tranquilize a beaver. Put put a beaver next to running water and try to get it to not build a dam. It's imp- I don't think there's a chemical on Earth that's capable of it. So right now, uh, if you're wondering what kind of serious business goes on on my Twitter account, we're talking about beaver tranquilizer. Find me on Twitter <laughs> at Wisco Grant. Let's start with the Bucks win yesterday. We're going to get into the draft in short order. I'm not going to talk about the Bucks for an entire hour before getting into the draft. I understand a lot of you want to talk about that, and I do too, but give me five, six minutes on the Bucks really quickly. 101-89, they win. What a delight. I didn't expect that. Boston is very good, and I think I made that very clear last week on the show. I'm like, man, I, the Bucks are great. They got the best player in Giannis, but Celtics are really good, and the Celtics were the betting favorite coming in. Now, after yesterday's game, the Bucks are now minus 130 to win the series. I feel much better about the Bucks' chances than I did on Friday. Absolutely. But I'm not going to use yesterday's game to draw some sweeping conclusions about why the Bucks will now go on to win the series. Remember, they were down 0-2 to Brooklyn. They came back to win that series. They were down 0-2 to Phoenix. They came back to win that series. Teams are certainly capable of coming back from being down 1-0 as the Celtics are right now. I mean, the Bucks did it to the Celtics in 2019. Remember that? Paul Pierce said it's over. And then the Bucks won <laughs> four straight. So I'm not going to make any sweeping conclusions about the rest of the series today. I'd like to get two or three games in before we really start to try to figure out how this series is going to go. But I want to talk about yesterday's game as yesterday's game because the Bucks don't typically play well in game ones. Yesterday was the best game one of Bud's Bucks career. I don't know about Atlanta. My memory's not quite there. I, I, don't, have a, I don't have a steel trap of a memory. When it comes to Hawks playoffs games... But yesterday was the best game one of Coach Bud's career since he's been with the Bucks, And I don't think it's close. Start with defensively. You know Bud's defensive MO, right? Protect the paint, let them shoot threes. And in 2019, 2020, we're in the bubble and we're like, hello, the league is more three happy than ever right now. Why would that be? Why would that be the idea? It would be like in the NFL if a defensive coordinator was like, hey, this passing the football thing, I think it's a fad. Well, let him pass. What? No, that makes no sense. Football is trending more and more pass-heavy. Defensive coordinators need to be able to to rock with that, right? And at times, Bud's defensive MO has driven us crazy. Pack the paint, let them shoot threes. Yeah, actually, that worked yesterday. I couldn't believe it. I was in my recliner until 6 or 7 p.m. just sitting there. Floored. It took me two hours of watching Grizzlies Warriors to even fathom what had just happened. The Celtics shot 53-pointers and made 18 of them. Now, you might think, well, Celtics just had a really bad shooting game. Well, they weren't great. Their season average was actually less than 36%. Their regular season average is 35.6%. They actually shot better than their season average from three yesterday. 18 of 50. They took 50 threes, and they only made 10 twos. They were 0 of 11 from the mid-range in non-garbage time minutes. That stat on Twitter, courtesy of our friend Bucks Film Room, Brian Sampson. Remember early in the season when Boston wasn't very good? And you can see they had some nice pieces, but we're really sure how they were all fitting together. And this Ime Udoka guy, is he long for the world? He seems to be calling out his players a lot. That's, for the most part, a death sentence when you're coaching NBA basketball in these days, in 2022. And then it started to click. And I think a big reason why it started to click, Marcus Smart turned into a better player. Everyone got better. But I think Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum stopped settling for jumpers. 
When the Celtics turned it around, one factor that I noticed when watching the Celtics, and I don't do deep dives into their numbers, I don't read the Celtics beat reporters, but one thing that jumped off the screen when I watched them the second half of the season, post-All-Star break, post-January 1st, really, and before, is Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum stopped settling for jumpers. They were going to the rack, getting to the free throw line, attacking the paint, and yes, of course, they were taking jump shots too, but they weren't relying on jump shots. Milwaukee yesterday baited Boston, and especially Jason Tatum, into settling for jumpers. Three-point jumpers sometimes, but long-range jumpers too. They settled Boston into this three-point happy offense, and then Boston couldn't get out of that rut, and they couldn't get out of that three-point rut for reasons we'll talk about later. But Bud's defensive MO worked yesterday. There's been a lot of times the last couple of years where it hasn't worked. Yesterday it did, and I'm still, <laughs> you can you can hear, I have a smile on my face. I'm still trying to appreciate that such a, a backwards idea in today's game of basketball where you let people shoot the shots that are more valuable. I'm still getting over that defensive MO working really, really well yesterday. We'll see how it plays out the rest of the series. It was Bud's best game one ever since he's been with Milwaukee, right? The way in which he had his players wired coming in right from the jump. You can see the mindset in Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday needed to be more aggressive on offense with Chris Middleton out. He had six points, two assists in the first quarter. He was really active. At times, I thought he was trying to do a little bit too much, but I would rather Drew Holiday try to do a little bit too much, especially if he's going to the rack, because that's good process, right? Drew Holiday's big and strong. Go to the rack. If it doesn't work, okay. I would almost rather die with Drew Holiday being overly aggressive than here, Pat Connaughton, there's three seconds left on the shot clock. Figure something out, right? Drew Holiday needs to carry that cross a little bit, especially with Chris Middleton hurt, and he did that yesterday. He did it from the jump. Right now, Drew Holiday is a really self-aware player. I'm sure he understood that coming in. But give Coach Bud credit. Right from the jump, Drew, we need you to be aggressive. And he was. Right? He had him wired correctly coming in. He had Giannis wired correctly, too. Giannis just gets it. I don't need to tell you how good Giannis is. But we saw this from him in Game 3 in Chicago, too. Where from the jump, he didn't need to feel the game out at all. Not a quarter, not a, not a half in. Right from the jump. Giannis knew they're going to trap me. They're going to blitz me. They're not going to let me beat them. So I need to be pass first guy. When the ball hits my hands, as it's touching my fingers, I need to be thinking where to next, like a hockey player, just sending it to its next destination, right? Like you're in the mail room, sending mail from one tube to another. That's the wiring that Giannis had in game three in Chicago. That's how he was wired yesterday too. He had four assists in the first quarter. And Giannis, understanding that assignment when the game started, he didn't wait until halftime to realize, I'm not going to be a better passer. No, he he knew it before the game started. He understood the assignment yesterday before the assignment was ever placed in his hand. And that's so, so important. Think of, think of, right, you're sitting in a classroom. Y'all got your desks. Giannis and Tatum are students. They're sitting in desks next to each other. You know, probably not front row guys, but not back row. They're probably middle of the classroom guys. Teacher hands out a worksheet, okay, and says, hey, Everyone, when you're finished, you're done for the day. Go home. Right, so everyone's scrambling. They want to get it done early. Tatum is writing and erasing and writing again, working through this math problem, grimacing, right? Trying to, trying to get it done so he can leave. And Giannis, who did all the reading, went to the tutor, came in for office hours. He gets the worksheet and laughs. He's like, I've seen all this before. I was ready for this. I know what I'm doing. Takes all of two minutes, walks up, turns it in, leaves. And Tatum, still sitting at the desk thinking, what the? the hell the hell just happened right both players Jason Tatum and Giannis are going to finish the worksheet eventually Jason Tatum's really good he's going to get there 
But Giannis understood his assignment before yesterday's game even started. It didn't take him until halftime to realize that he needed to be a facilitator. It didn't take him until the third quarter. He knew immediately. He knew before the game started, right? And I'm going to read you an excerpt from Eric Name's piece from last night this morning. Something that changed from Giannis's early days as a contender, 2018, 2019, to now. I'm going to read you this. Repeatedly, when put in positions where a younger version of himself would have tried to run through a wall, Antetokounmpo watched as the Celtics built their wall brick by brick and then just threw a pass over or around it to a waiting and willing shooter. You could see the progression. Go watch a game from Giannis's rookie year and then compare it to yesterday. Giannis came into the game knowing exactly, I got to be polished, I got to be ready to pass. And I need to be ready to do it from the jump before this game gets all mucked up, right? Trial and error is great. Trial and error is how you learn. You come into a game, your team struggles, you go into halftime, you make adjustments, you come out and you're better. But the difference between a game one win and a game one loss is understanding the assignment before it's even handed out. Because when you're playing against that crowd and against that really good team that's rested after a sweep, a team that's been playing and humming at a high level for months and months and months, you don't get a half to adjust. You need to get it from the jump. And credit to both Giannis and Coach Bud for having the answers really before the test started yesterday. That was really, really impressive. Lastly, Giannis talking about his 12 assists. Again, four in the first quarter. He came ready. Uh, I was just trying to be aggressive, try to make plays, try to get in the paint, make the right plays. Uh, if somebody's open, I got to pass the ball. Uh, if I have the opportunity to drive all the way, you know, drive all the way. If I'm open, I shoot. Try to be as simple as possible. Uh, but I think my teammates were there. Uh, they were open and they, they were knocked down shots. I feel like I should say a couple things about the Packers draft here to start the show. Draft is a huge deal. And I'm excited about the draft. I'm probably a little bit more excited about the Bucks celtics game yesterday, but we have all show to talk about that. I want to say a couple things about the draft. Everyone has a draft grade today. Everyone. I was at uh, the YMCA this morning just getting a pump in. Uh, <laughs> and Get Up was on the TV. And I look over, it was on mute, but I saw Dan Orlovsky talk about the Packers. I could see the Packers graphic. And they were doing grades, you know, letter grades, A, B, C, D. And uh, <laughs> and Orlowski's grade was a WTF. <laughs> that's, um, that's, uh, that's good content. I actually prefer Fox and Friends on mute. That was on the next TV over. It actually motivates me when I'm lifting. You know, I'm picking up my dumbbells, 27 and a half for curls. Yeah, I'm almost a 30-pound curls. Look up at the TV, and it's Fox and Friends and Brian Kilmeade. It's, ah, Immigration. Damn it. Go get a lift in, right? But the draft grades are everywhere. Orlovsky had a WTF this morning, which I found uniquely cringy. But you could do A, B, C, D, F, F minus, F plus, whatever. Forget draft grades. I have a couple questions for you about the Packers draft. And you can answer these out loud. I talk along with podcasts and radio shows in my car all the time. Or you could just think about these. Something to chew on, okay? When we're trying to evaluate this Packers draft. And I actually haven't heard a lot of Packers fans whining and saying, I hate this. This is dumb. I... I think a lot of Packers fans are excited and on board and, and very measured with how we're covering this draft. A couple of questions to chew on instead of a grade. I've not prepared a grade. I've, I've prepared a list of three questions. Number one, have we not complained that the Packers refused to invest in the inside linebacker position? That's something we've complained about for years. By taking Quay Walker, they did just that. They addressed that position. Right? Maybe it was a bit of a reach. Sure, but it depends on who you ask. All these GMs have a different board. They value different players differently. So when one person says, oh my God, they reached. Another GM would be like, man, actually, Quay Walker was the sixth player on our board. It's amazing that the Packers got him at 22. It just depends on who you ask. They invested in a position that we've always wanted them to invest in. 
Maybe the positional value isn't amazing, but at 22, they were in this awkward middle ground. I'm not going to lose sleep over the Quay Walker pick. It's cool. It's something different. It's out of character for the Packers, so I'm going to get excited about it. I suggest you do the same. Question number one. Question number two. Have we not been begging the Packers to get Kenny Clark some help? Have we not been asking for that for years? Invest in the defensive line. Well, Devontae Wyatt is the best interior rusher in this class, comes from an elite program, and he's 24 which some people might think of as a negative, but in this weird win-now universe in which this current Packers team exists, we actually kind of need someone ready to go now. So unlike Kenny Clark, who I believe was 21 when he was drafted, hopefully Devontae Wyatt's ready to go and contribute at some level right away. That's exciting to me. I like the Devontae Wyatt pick. Question three, weren't all of you really high on Christian Watson, Packers fans? Seemed like a classic Packer. He wasn't my favorite. The hands worry me a little bit. NDSU worries me a little bit, but I'm not an expert. Goody even tried to get up into round one to take him. Obviously, Goody, classic Packers fashion. Grabbed a couple offensive linemen, all versatile, all athletic. Keep feeding that position. Here's my last question. Something to think about as the show goes on with the draft. Is there something you wanted Goody to do that he didn't? I really can't think of anything. He could have gone a different route with how he navigated some of the positions they wanted. And I have an example that we'll bring up later. But I really like this draft. I think he solved a bunch of problems that we've asked to be solved for a long time. And I don't really know that it needs to be more complicated than that. Yeah, we could obsess over positional value, and and those are important things to talk about and good and bad process. But I think Packers fans, we got a lot of what we've wanted for a long time. So why be pissed off about it? We'll keep talking Bucks. We'll keep talking Packers. Uh, Bucks getting a win over the Celtics yesterday, 101-89. The Packers have some new members of the team, and we'll talk about both the Bucks and the Packers coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Man, a lot of text to get to. This is great. You can give me a call as well. 608-796-2558. Find me on Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Jason, Lower Tainer Lake. Hey, Jason, what's up? He says, I was in, oh, you were in lacrosse last weekend. Hell yeah, good to have you. Uh, He says, as far as the NFL draft, no one really knows. I agree. Bucks cannot turn the ball over so much. Yes, they played great defense, but the Celtics will not shoot as bad in the next game. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not going to make any sort of declaration on the Celtics shooting, but I do want to make it clear. The Celtics didn't shoot that bad from three yesterday. The Celtics shot better than their season average by about half a percentage. Now, they're capable of having a 40%, 45% game, but as we've seen with the Bucks the last couple of seasons, like the three-point numbers don't always swing around to the good side. Sometimes you just shoot poorly in the playoffs, a little bit more high pressure, right? The closeouts are a little bit harder. Like, I I wouldn't assume if I'm a Celtics fan that the three-point shooting is going to get better and better and better. They shot 36%, which is better than their season average yesterday. Now, they had a lot of open threes, and that's part of the conversation, too. A lot of them were uncontested. Um, the three-point shooting is weird, especially in the playoffs. Josh in Sparta. The fact that no wide receivers were taken after 15 proves it's a smart move to wait until 34. The two defense picks were good. I agree. We're actually going to talk about wide receiver draft position at 430. I have a theory, and I'm not for sure about a lot of things with the draft. I am a casual observer like many of you. In fact, a lot of you probably pay attention more closely to the draft than I do. Maybe you make mocks and you look at big boards. Um, I have a take that I am 
100% confident with the draft with wide receivers. And we're going to do that here in about 15 minutes. Rock and Rick. He says, Aaron's sounding as if he supports it and is on board all I've ever wanted. We're solid. I Yeah, you know what? First of all, Aaron got paid. And I think that was maybe the biggest issue in all of this, right? I, I also think he just likes being kept in the loop. If you heard him on McAfee last Thursday night during the first round of the draft, he was like, yeah, well, I've been talking to the guys in the draft room. I, I just think he wants to be part of the club. Uh, I think that makes a world of difference. Uh, Derek, I want to get to all these texts. I, I want this to be a very interactive show today. He says, G-Bills couldn't agree more with you. Take on the Bucks. The Bucks played physical and looked like the more prepared team yesterday. About time they started game one off right. The Bucks beat the tar out of the Celtics yesterday. You know when the Niners ran for 200-plus yards on the Packers in the NFC Championship game a couple of years ago? Remember that? Th- th- yesterday was the basketball equivalent of that. When one team just gets their ass beat. They're pushed around. They're shoved around. They're beat up. That's what the Bucks did yesterday, Right? And it's, it's funny because the Celtics were the physical team last round. And, and with good reason. I'm not, I'm not saying people had the Celtics wrong in the last round. But I, I know during the Celtics-Net series, everyone's saying, oh, the Celtics are way more physical. They're beating up Kevin Durant. Right? They're playing him tough. And they were. But yesterday, I think, was made very clear. Uh, the Bucks are not the Nets. And Giannis is not KD. It's not to say KD isn't a good player. Giannis built a little different. Yeah, well, Giannis is built different from everyone, but Giannis is a little bit bigger than Kevin Durant. It's not as simple as trying to beat him up. I think the Celtics did try to beat him up, and now they're all injured. Jalen Brown already had a stretched hammy. Marcus Smart's got like four different injuries because he's flying everywhere yesterday. And Robert Williams got a, you know, a heel to the, the you know what, you know? And I'm not saying that was a result of being physical, but if you want to jump in the pit and try to beat up Giannis, I... What do they say in, in the world of physics? Every action has an equal and opposite reaction. If you punch a wall, that wall, physics speaking, is punching you back just as hard. Yeah, try to beat up Giannis and see how that's going to go. Good luck with that. Let's talk to Hector in on Alaska, 608-796-2558. What's up, Hector? Hey, how's it going? I am, uh, dude, I, I didn't think the Bucks were going to win yesterday. So this is house money. I am, I am thrilled to be alive right now. I would be lying if I said I wasn't shocked by the fact that the Bucks played as good as they did yesterday. Um, I and I'm not a Bucks fan, of course, but being in Wisconsin, I am a secondary fan to every Wisconsin team because I'm married into a Wisconsin family. So you're, you're a family watching man the Bucks in that way, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> watching the Bucks, I was very. It was very exciting to watch because without Middleton, I didn't. I think they would give. Them, it was going to be a dogfight, but I didn't think they stood a chance. And the I was doing some looking into numbers and stuff, and the Celtics set a franchise low for two pointers made mm-hmm. in history. Yeah, yesterday with ten, and they're now one and six or one and five in their black jerseys. So maybe they need to wear a different jersey at home um, because they suck in the black, in the black jersey. <laughs> That's analytics uh, right there, dude. I love as it. far as the yeah. I don't. I'm not a superstitious. I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little superstitious. Yeah, as the great Michael Scott said. But <laughs> I wanted to also say with the draft, very impressive especially for a Packers draft. And I know I have some buddies, of course, in my fantasy football league chat that we have talking about 
oh, but they could have gotten something in the first round, all this other stuff. But when you the when you think about the wide receivers flew off the board. Yeah. There was maybe one one that one or two that I thought would be worth going up for, but the amount that you would have to give up would have been just ridiculous. Yeah. So them waiting to the second round and then moving up, they lost, they had to give up a lot less than they would have. And I think I think he's gonna be good with in this Green Bay system. I also think they'll pick up Jarvis Landry. Yeah. Um as like a second veteran. But nice. man, I was I didn't expect much from the Packers in the draft, but boy did they deliver. I think they're gonna be real good um with this new class. I am pissed with the Ravens draft. Of course I have to say something about that as a fan. What I thought they, the Ravens had they drafted really, really draft. well. Oh, oh, they drafted unbelievable well. draft. Oh, okay. Yes. But them giving up Hollywood and then not getting any other receivers was just absolute trash to me as a fan. As a fan, of I think Hollywood Brand kind of sucks, though, doesn't he? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes and no. He, yeah, he does. He definitely could have done more, but our system is not built for a good for a number one receiver. It's built for tight ends running the ball yeah. and then having one receiver that can catch it when they're throwing to, and Hollywood wasn't that guy. I mean, it makes sense that the Cardinals did what they did because as of today, DeAndre Hopkins got suspended, so they must have known that was coming, and they needed a receiver, so they traded for Hollywood. So it all kind of is piecing itself together, but as far as the drafts go, Ravens, Packers did real good. It's going to be a real exciting season. I always hate that the draft is this far ahead of the season. Sure. Actually starting because now I just got to sit around and wait. But. <laughs> it's okay. We have the yeah. NBA playoffs and then we got baseball before then. Thanks for the call, Hector. Yeah, you have a good one. Yeah, have a good one, brother. Thanks. 608-796-2558. So why don't we do wide receivers for a sec, and then we'll come back to the Bucks and we'll take a break, talk more about wide receivers. He said that Christian Watson... He thinks he's going to be good with the Packers. He certainly fits what the Packers look for. Um, and I'm about to read some physical stats and measurements. Don't don't hold this against me. We're going to forget that this happened in a couple minutes, okay? He's 6'4", 210 pounds. He's got huge hands. 94th percentile for hand size. And he's just super athletic. His broad jump is 99th percentile. That was his best measurable of all the combine numbers and the pro day numbers, right? Packers like physical Right, And I think the Packers had to move up, and we can talk more about that in a couple of minutes. I have a really strong draft take, something I believe. Right, The Packers like physical wide receivers. The Bucks like playing physical. And I think the Celtics in the first round against the Nets maybe got a little high on themselves thinking, oh, we're, we're beating up Brooklyn. It's okay, well, you're beating up on Goran Dragic, the corpse of Blake Griffin, and Kevin Durant, who is excellent but not exactly built like a brick milk house like Giannis is, Right. Giannis said this after the game. This, If I'm a Celtics fan and I hear this, I'm just like, oh, Jesus, H. First of all, I don't know. Maybe I'm weird. I thrive through physicality. Like, I love feeling beat up after games. I don't know why. My family think I'm a, I'm a weirdo. But, like, when the game, you know, finish, I just kind of look at my body. If I don't feel like I'm, like, beat up or, like, you know, I was physical enough or they were physical to me, I feel like I didn't give everything for my team. So, obviously, everybody feels a little bit beat up, our team, their team. But at the end of the day, it's the playoffs. You got to, you know, get ready mentally and physically for game two. And you can never take that for granted. You got to come out and uh, set the tone again. The Bucks are the physical team. And normally it takes a whole series 
to become evident. Like last year, Brooklyn and Phoenix jumped out to two game leads. And then as the series went along, it's like, oh my God, Phoenix is wearing down. Brooklyn is wearing down because the Bucks are so much bigger and stronger and more physical. Normally it takes a whole series. It's kind of nice that it manifested itself in game one. It feels like the Bucks stole a game. Well, they did, but they stole a game through physicality, a, 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 a check that normally doesn't cash till later on in a seven game series. I found it funny. I saw a lot of comments about the Bucks with their three bigs lineup playing Giannis and Bobby and Brooke, who was very good yesterday. And I'm just like, man, you guys can't handle the lineup with Giannis and Bobby and Brooke. What happens when their six, seven wing comes back? What happens when Middleton comes back? Cause he's a horse too. And Brooke Lopez is an absolute bowling ball. We'll talk more about him later. That big lineup is tough for Boston. And I know a lot of people, a lot of people will minimize a big lineup like that and a physical lineup like that. So, well, we need to take advantage on offense. We'll spread them out, right? Ime Udoka after the game, the Celtics coach yesterday said, well, we need to do a good job of spreading that lineup out and assumedly reading between the lines of what he said, you know, isolating Brooke or Bobby Portis in some sort of high pick and roll to get him in space. Hey, I know Bobby Portis and Brooke are slow. They are massive human beings, right? It's like, well, well, you know, our ball handlers are quicker. We'll get around him. Oh, okay, good, good luck. Like, Bobby Portis might not be a great defender, but he's 6'11". You know what I mean? It would be like trying to drive around an 18-wheeler with a dirt bike. Like, yeah, the dirt bike is a lot faster, but an 18-wheeler is really big. That 18-wheeler doesn't have to play good defense. If it's just sitting in the right spot, it makes life really hard. Right? Same with Bobby Portis. Oh, and if you get by those guys in the high pick and roll and you have a run at the rim, then Giannis is waiting there for you. And Giannis is effectively a wind turbine. Like one of the big ones you see in the Dakotas. Not like that little weather vane on top of your neighbor's barn, but the, the ones that look like they're three miles tall. The ones that are all over the state of Illinois where there are no people. It's just wind turbines. That's what Giannis amounts to as a help defender. So if you get by Brooke and Bobby, which they couldn't yesterday in the high pick and roll, now you have that waiting for you under the hoop. I know a lot of basketball fans just think it's as simple as, well, you got to make them pay on the defensive end. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Try not every ball handler is Chris Paul that can just wag someone like a dog and get them out of the way. Jason Tatum is very good. He's not Chris Paul. Where you just isolate a big and put him in the torture chamber. It's not that easy. Let's take a break. I want to talk more about the draft. We'll get back into the Bucks later. We have a lot of time tonight to talk about the draft. I want to talk about the wide receiver position because I'm pretty confident about the future of this position and how it's going to play out, especially in the first two rounds. And I want to talk about that coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Tedekumpo, Williams, stout defense, threw it to himself. Oh, he's eviscerating the Celtics inside. Wow. Wisco Sports Show, really fun win for the Bucks yesterday. I'm not saying I didn't believe in him, but. I wasn't expecting him to win that game. I did not wake up yesterday morning expecting to celebrate a Bucks game one victory. I didn't expect to sit down last night, listen to the Bill Simmons podcast and just laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. We were on a trajectory there and we still might be. The series is very long, but we were on a trajectory where everything was lining up for Boston because everyone else is getting hurt. And then Tatum eliminates Giannis. Tatum makes the finals. Is this Tatum's league? This might be Tatum's league. It's certainly Tatum's conference. We were headed that way. And what makes me so happy is that 
that reality actually started to crystallize for Celtics fans. I believe it, it, they, they saw it. It was in their grasp. It was on the horizon. And yesterday's game was this rude wake-up call. You know, like you're having a you're having a pretty good dream, and then all of a sudden someone smacks you across the face to wake you up. That's what yesterday's game was. And we're going to talk more about it at 5 o'clock, probably more before 6. It is my goal to kind of bounce back and forth between the Bucks and the draft today. I don't want to do 45 minutes on one and then switch over because if someone's driving home tonight and they can only listen to 15 minutes of the show, I would like for them to get a little bit of both. A lot going on. I don't want to neglect the draft or the Bucks today, so it's my goal to bounce back and forth. And if at any point you want to call in and talk about either, you're welcome to. 608-796-2558, Twitter, at Wisco Grant. I want to talk about the draft for a couple of minutes, but if you want to call in and you got a comment about the Bucks, I'm not going to hang up on you. The draft is fascinating. So many people watch this event. I don't think we fully grasp how many people watch what amounts to people reading names, right? And I'll follow along on my phone and I'll get FOMO. I'll be like, man, I should really be watching this. Why? What am I missing if I watch versus if I just look at the results on my phone? I can get kind of the same experience, right? But no, everyone loves to watch it. Love to bet it. Everyone loved to make their mocks and their big boards. And because it's such a big event, we have so many people that cover it and analyze it and they analyze it in different ways, right? You have your more traditional football guys, right? Scout types who grind film and look at measurables and stats and projections, right? You have that kind of neighborhood of analysts. And then you have analytics people, let's say. I don't like referring to things blindly as analytics, but people who look at data and try to forecast trends, people who look at the betting markets and what they're telling and, and what betting markets set up to be a value and what the market value is, right? A, a, an approach much like an economist would take, right? You took this player at 22, the betting markets and most mocks of smart people believed this person's value to be around 40 and you use the 22nd pick. Therefore, this was a bad pick regardless of outcome, right? That, that kind of approach, a very economic type of approach. You have that. And then they're the insiders, right? Peter Schrager is this guy every year where he makes the rounds on TV and radio and says, I don't look at mock drafts. I just talk to teams. I don't even watch the players. I just ask the teams and I kind of gather a sense of who's going to go where. All very different, right? A lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds cover this event. I don't know what category I fall into. I like to look at a little bit of all of them prefer to jump in and add where I feel like I have something to add and I just sit it out if I don't. I don't pretend to be a draft expert at all, but I'm pretty sure that what I'm about to say will age really well. This is something I was thinking about over the weekend. From here on out, teams picking in the bottom of a round, talking like the final seven or eight picks, contending teams, one of the final teams standing in the playoffs, teams picking in the bottom of a round will never ever again be able to get wide receiver at value in the first and second round. Doesn't mean they can't take a wide receiver, but they are never going to get a wide receiver at value. Never will the Chiefs pick at 30 and get a wide receiver whose value matches that pick. They will be reaching on a player that belongs later in the draft, or they will trade up to take a player higher than where they're originally slotted to pick. Teams picking in the bottom of the round will never, ever again unless football goes through some quick, massive structural change. No team picking in the last handful of picks in the first or second round will ever be able to get a wide receiver at value, at sticker price, ever again. I have some evidence. Let's look at the 2020 draft, which was, and I think still is, rightfully so, lauded as the deepest wide receiver class ever. I think even this draft is going to go down as an outlier. 
Jefferson got to 22. That will never happen again. Brandon Ayuk getting to 25 will never happen again. For God's sake, Jahan Dotson went in the top 20 last week, right? In the second round of 2020, the first two picks of the second round were wide receivers, and then another five came off the board before the Packers picked at 62. The Packers didn't have an option for a wide receiver at value at the end of the first round unless they wanted to reach for a guy who went in the second round or unless they wanted to trade up. There was no option for the Packers to get a wide receiver at value in 2020. I'm not saying they were right or wrong to take Jordan Love instead. I'm just, this is a value proposition. There was no wide receiver available at whatever pick they were. It was at 28 before they moved up. There's no wide receiver that fit that slot. In 2021, Rashad Bateman getting to 27 was wild. That will never happen again. And if you look at this year's draft, you'll see the trend getting more and more drastic. Four wide receivers in the top 12, six in the top 20. That's how it's going to be. Even in the second round, six wide receivers came off the board, excluding who the Packers took, Watson, before Green Bay would have picked again at 59. Six wide receivers came off the board before 59, and that's not counting the one that the Packers traded up to take. I know Goody had to give up an additional second to go get Watson. It was their original second-round pick, and then they gave up that original pick to move up, right? But what did you want Goody to do? Because I think Goody would have been mighty naive to sit at 59 and assume one of these guys is going to fall, let alone one of the guys they actually like, and we'll never know which wide receivers they actually liked and which one they you know didn't. Any GM picking in the bottom five of a round will be naive to believe that moving forward, ever, that they will be able to get a wide receiver at value because the cluster of an early run on wide receivers is trending earlier and earlier in the first round, which means the run on second round wide receivers is going to continue to trend earlier and earlier. So what you're going to have is these contending teams in the bottom of the round. I'm not talking 22. I'm talking 26 and below. Wide receivers are not getting there, not at value. So the Packers either can take their second-round guy in the first round, which then you're giving up value, or they can trade up in the first or the second round, and then you're surrendering more value. General managers are going to have a really hard time in the current climate and in the climate moving forward in the NFL finding a wide receiver in a non-messy way through the draft. You know what I mean? They're going to get killed for reaching, or they're going to be scrutinized for giving up a lot of capital to move up. And the Packers did give up a lot of capital to go get Watson, but A... What choice did they have? And B, that pick wasn't even theirs to begin with. It's like finding a $20 bill on the ground and then paying off your MasterCard with it. Oh, you had to pay 20 bucks to pay off your credit card. Yeah, but it's a 20 I found on the ground. So it's a 20 that I didn't originally have anyways. Maybe there was another route for Goody to go. I'm not convinced. And I think the only way to for sure get his guy was to trade up because he wasn't going to fall. And I don't think reaching at the end of the first round was a good idea either because you had Devontae, uh, Devontae Wyatt on the board, who I love. That's help for Kenny Clark. That's what we've been wanting. Well, you should have just taken him at 28. I, I don't know. They got a good player at 28. They gave up one of their four top picks. They still, you know, stuck there. Well, they stuck in and picked at the first two, and then they gave up, you know, one of the seconds to move up. You get my point? I, I just don't think there was a clean way to do it. Now, I found a scenario from Ian Kenyon on Twitter of Bleacher Report. He's saying this is what Goody should have done. And I want to talk about this laundry list of players and how maybe the draft could have gone differently for the Packers. Maybe this is better. Maybe it's worse. I don't know. I want to run it by you, and we can talk about it. I think it's it's borderline getting too cute. And it reminds me of one of Ted Thompson's final drafts where we thought he was getting good value, and really what he was doing was just getting 
cute. And that's a dangerous game to play as a general manager, especially when your back's up against the wall, trying to win with Aaron Rodgers while he's still on the roster. Let's take a break. We'll talk about this alternate universe and what could have been for Goody and whether we prefer the alternate universe or the reality that actually happened. We'll talk about that next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills, Twitter at Wisco Grant. Talking a little bit about the draft, I want to present to you an alternate scenario what Brian Gudikins could have done in the draft last week and into Saturday. And you tell me if you like it more than actually what they did. It reminds me of a previous Packers draft that didn't turn out so hot. So we're going to talk about that. First, let's chat with Matt in West Salem, 608-796-2558. What's going on, Matt? Hi, um, talking about uh, the draft. Um, yeah. They found some success in previous receivers in the second round, like Devontae Adams and stuff. Yeah. What do you think What do I think of previous success of those second round wide receivers? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think probably, and I appreciate the call, Matt. We can talk more about this. I think a lot of that is to do with the Packers having a stable situation at quarterback. I think that helps, right? So that helps bring these guys along, these guys who aren't the polished first-round prospects but are, are still right behind because they have great traits, they're physical specimens, whatever it may be, right? There was something that kept those players out of the first round, and the Packers, because of their solid situation at head coach and their solid situation at quarterback. There's a lot of stability. It makes for an easier environment for a player to get better and to improve, right? So I'm not saying they have a specific roadmap to developing second round wide receivers. I also just think the Packers don't like spending first round draft capital on wide receivers. That much is clear. So then they end up doing it in the second round. So we say, well, they get all their good wide receivers in the second round. Well, no, actually they just get a lot of their wide receivers in the second round period. Forget good, forget bad. They just get a lot of them in the second round. The wide receiver that the Packers ended up with, Christian Watson, some Packers fans, and a lot of people just in football, believe that maybe Gutekinds gave up too much. I'm here to say that he didn't have a choice, and I don't think any general manager on a contending team is going to have a choice for a while. Because if you're picking at the bottom of the barrel at the first and second round, Wide receivers aren't getting to you at value. You're either going to have to reach at the end of the first round for a guy who belongs in the second or trade up. So you're surrendering value either way. Now, something that crossed my mind was, well, what if the Packers stuck in the first round and reached a little bit on one of those wide receivers? And this is a scenario that Ian Kenyon of Bleacher Report tweeted out. What if the Packers used pick 22 and 28 on George Pickens and George Karloftis? Pick your order. I think they both would have been available at either spot, right? And then in the second round, they don't feel the need to trade up and get a wide receiver. So they get Alec Pierce, right? And then to fill inside linebacker, which they did with Quay Walker, they get Leo Chanel later in the draft. This is what he's saying they should have done. Interestingly enough, Carl Loftus and Leo Chanel both went to the Chiefs. This could have been a reality for the Packers. This wouldn't have shocked me. Pickens, Carl Loftus, Pierce at 53, and then Leo Chanel later on. Here's my issue with this. And this is actually something I talked about with a friend on the phone last night. I said, yeah, maybe you could have gotten Alec Pierce later, took a wide receiver early, and and I saw Leo Chanel go to the Chiefs. I was like, well, is Leo Chanel the player we also think Quay Walker is, right? Could you get Leo Chanel later on? Similar player, but way farther down in the draft. And then I thought of 2017, because isn't that technically what Ted Thompson tried to do? 
We're not going to take TJ Watt. Instead, we're going to take Kevin King, and we're going to get Vince Beagle later on. Now, the measurables don't match up. Vince Beagle and Leo Chanel and TJ Watt and Quay Walker could not be more different players. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the idea of passing up on a player because you think there's a very similar player that, for whatever reason, smaller school, less name recognition, will be available later on. And I think the Packers in 2017 thought, we can pass on TJ Watt because we're going to get 99% of the same player in Vince Beagle later on. And that's just not always the case. And you might be thinking, well, don't trade up to get a wide receiver. Right? Take Alec Pierce in the 50s or whatever. Is Alec Pierce Christian Watson? I don't know. Christian Watson was not my favorite player in this draft. He wasn't my favorite wide receiver because his hands worry me. The lack of polish worries me, especially for a team that needs a wide receiver right away. Right? It's hard to evaluate especially players that that play in, in, in a school like NDSU, especially players that are so physically dominant. I don't know how much he was challenged, but then again, they didn't run an offense and threw the ball. And as I'm talking through this, you can understand why it's hard to evaluate these players. I think Gudikins had the opportunity to get cute, reach on a wide receiver a little bit in the first round, and then get some of that defensive value, D-line and linebacker later on. I think Goody just had enough of farting around. He said, I, Kenny Clark needs a running mate up there. And I'm not going to try to get cute and get a budget one later. Let's go get the best one in the draft. Let's go get Devontae Wyatt. And maybe it cost them a second rounder because they needed to eventually move up and get Christian Watson. But I think that's just a reality for contending teams. If you want a good wide receiver in the draft, you're going to need to reach or you're going to need to move up. Brian Gutekunst elected to move up, which I think is less harmless this year because the Packers had extra picks. That second rounder that they gave up was essentially a $20 bill that he found on the ground. And it sucks to give away $20, but if the $20 was never yours in the first place, it's a little bit easier to swallow. You know what I mean? It's like bar cash. You get 60 bucks from the ATM, you go to the bar, you only spend 40. It's a lot easier to get breakfast the next day with that extra 20 because that money was supposed to be spent. It was found money, right? Let's talk more about the draft. I want to get back into the bucks coming up next as well here on the Wisco Sports Show. Tenacumpo, Williams, stout defense, threw it to himself, oh, he's eviscerating the Celtics inside, wow. Just pure talent, just pure instinct, you know, he's a great player, he, he does things that uh, are unique and special and, and timely, and happy he's on our side. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. Last week, we started talking about Jim Rome a little bit, and I pulled out what is a, an unpolished but passable Jim Rome impersonation. I got to get my Mark Jones down. I just, <laughs> I like Mark Jones. Wow! <laughs> Jesus! Wow! If I can get that part of it down. Maybe I'll react to callers the rest of the show as Mark Jones. <laughs> 608-796-2558. Whoa! I need some workshopping. I, I suppose I could workshop a Breen, too. Doris Burke would be a little bit more difficult. I don't know if I could do a Burke. That's that's less hacky. Mark Jones with his wow. That's, that's kind of hacky. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're going to talk more about the Bucks, more about the draft. I want to talk about both stories equally today. Um, when I was putting the show together, 
I, you know, what I do is I normally start the show with one thing. We talk about that for a half hour and then we switch and we do a half hour on the other thing. I want to bounce back a little bit more today because I hate the idea of someone only hearing 12 minutes of the show and hearing 12 minutes only on the draft or only on the Bucks because both are awesome. I didn't expect the Bucks to win yesterday. There's so many good things to talk about from that game and good traits from Coach Bud and some of the players. So I want to make sure everyone who wants to get a taste of that tonight gets a little taste of that. And same with the draft because I think me, probably more than any other radio show in this state, I probably underserve the draft. So I need to work better and, and work to be better at that, as Coach Bud would say. You got to be better. 608-796-2558. Rock and Rick is here. What's going on, Rick? Well, just all the people that uh, aren't happy about this, uh, Christian Watson, did you hear the interview with him by chance? Was it on the draft broadcast? Because, no, what was I doing on Friday? Oh, I was still at work. I hadn't even left work yet when I saw the pick, so I wasn't even at home settled in and watching. What, what happened in the interview? Well, maybe I'm too much of a romantic thinking with my heart instead of my head, but... Uh, he grew up a Packers fan because his mom was a huge Packers fan. His dad got drafted by the Packers in 93. And uh, if you hear his interview, he just he sounds like he's willing to do all the work he needs to do to help out the Packers. I thought it was a real, I don't know, classy and uh, made me like the kid just hearing his interview. So. Well, we like that. The Packers probably want a big physical freak wide receiver like Watson is, and they want him to come in buy into the running game, do all the things that Alan Lazard does. That's a thing that's important to the Packers, and other teams might not see it that way, right? And, and that's maybe the most interesting part of the draft is how all of these teams have a different opinion on these players. The Packers, I bet, really loved Christian Watson. I, they couldn't wait to trade up to take him. Well, I don't know if it was Matt or if it was Goody, but one of their interviews, too, they were saying the same thing, that because he's a strong physical player and uh, North Dakota does a lot of running, so... Um, they like the way he's willing to block and everything else besides it. But, I mean, it really sounds like he has some unbelievable, you know, athleticism on top of it. Yep. On top of, you know, his blocking goal. But anyway, if you get a chance to hear the interview, I think he'll uh, somewhat win you over on, on his attitude anyway. Well, I love that, Rock and Rick. Thank you. This call won me over. Have a good night. I appreciate you. 608-796-2558. Uh, between you and me, just a little housekeeping here. I got my notes in front of me. Uh, I am doing this show for the rest of the week. I don't have a day off. The Brewers aren't covering us up at all. Uh, but I'm also filling in in the morning here in Lacrosse because Dave is taking a little vacation. So I'm really trying to write things down because I, now I got to do this show and three hours in the morning. So Christian Watson interview. I'm going to write that down. Maybe we'll get to that tomorrow morning on WKTY. I appreciate you, Rick. You are uh, you are guest producing the WKTY morning show tomorrow. Christian Watson. All right, we'll hear from him. If you're a lacrosse listener tomorrow morning, maybe we'll get to it tomorrow night as well. We got a text here from Joey says we need a bus trip to the Bucks game if it goes to game six. Yeah, I, I hope. And I know the zone in Madison has taken some bus trips too. It would be really cool to take some listeners and and go to game six. I'm hoping it doesn't even go to game six. Be great to see the Bucks win in four or five. And the way they looked yesterday. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I am, I'm not going to go out of my way to say that the Bucs are going to win this series. They're going to cruise to to victory. They're going to win in four or five games, sweep. The Bucs are way better. The Celtics are frauds. Everyone was wrong on the Celtics. No, I think everyone was wrong on the Nets. The Nets were fraud. I think the Celtics are very good. And I'm not using yesterday's win to make some sweeping declaration about where this series is going to go. But I feel a lot better about the series today than I did on Friday. And that has to mean something, Right. The Bucs don't typically play well in game ones. 
I think yesterday was the best game one Coach Bud has ever had in his Bucks career. Um, and you can think of the losses that they've had, too. They lost game one to the play in the playoffs last year to the Nets, to the Hawks, to the Suns. They needed overtime to beat the Heat. They lost to the Magic in game one in the bubble. They lost in game one to the Heat in the next round. They lost to the Celtics in their first game in 2019. They beat the Raptors in game one, but then fell apart as the series went along. That was that was kind of the inverse of what we've typically seen with Coach Bud. That was his swan song, his game one yesterday. His defensive MO, his mode of operations, if that's what that stands for, I'm just assuming. I don't know. Protect the paint. Let the other team shoot threes. Let them eat cake. Let them go to town. And it worked yesterday, which is really funny to me because... Coach Bud's defensive strategy should not make sense in the year 2022. The game has never emphasized three-point shooting more. And yet Coach Bud is basically saying, go to town, have at it, have a good time. The Celtics shot 53s yesterday and made 18. And you might hear that and think, oh, the Celtics, they had a terrible shooting game. Uh, not really. They shot 36% from three. Their season average was 35 and a half. It's not like they had some crazy bad outlier shooting night. It's not to say that they won't shoot 40%, 45% in game two, but to automatically assume they're going to shoot way better in game two, you can't do that. They shot average. They shot average. They had a lot of open threes that they missed, which probably made it feel like a worse shooting night than it was. Uh, but to assume that they're not going to shoot that poorly again, they might shoot exactly like that in all of these games because that was basically their average. Let's talk to Mark. 608-796-2558. What's up, Mark? Welcome to the show. Hey, Mark. Uh, just real quick here, I just wanted to point out the fact that most likely why the Bucks did so well is because I wasn't watching them. <laughs> yeah, my my dad swears by that, too. During the regular season, he doesn't watch a ton of the Bucks. He doesn't necessarily watch every game either, but he'll text me and be like, hey, I turned on the Bucks in the third quarter, and they immediately started losing, so I turned him off. My dad's the <laughs> same way. He's the same way. Yeah, I watched the first two uh, games of the Bulls series, so I'm sorry. Yeah. Then didn't watch the rest of it until they had the game in hand, like in the last uh, fourth quarter. And, and uh, yesterday, I didn't get a chance to watch it until the middle of the third quarter. And by then, it was pretty much over. So Yeah, it started to pour down. Well, you saw the good part of the game. You showed up just in time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate the call. Right on, brother. Yeah, have a good night. 608-796-2558. The Bucks don't win in game ones. Mark didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. I think we talked to Hector earlier in the show who said, yeah, I, I didn't expect him to win. Coach Bud's defensive MO worked. I, I, I'm not saying I don't believe in Coach Bud. He won a title last year, but we've complained about his defensive strategy for a couple of seasons, and it's bit him in the butt a few times, especially in the bubble, but the bubble was weird. So I'm, I'm just counting the bubble more and more as time passes along. I think smart basketball fans should do the same. The Celtics aren't just going to automatically bounce back in the next game. Now, I think if the Celtics were smart, they'd take fewer threes and they'd attack the paint. If you remember watching the Celtics in December, and maybe you did, maybe you maybe you don't. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you don't. The Celtics weren't good to start the year. Ime Udoka didn't necessarily seem like he was going to work. I know on this show once or twice, we brought up the topic of maybe breaking up Tatum and Brown. Maybe. Right, Marcus Smart, is that actually a good contract? Well, then Marcus Smart turned into a legit point guard. Tatum and Brown started attacking the rim, and everything kind of convalesced. Yesterday, the Bucks' defensive strategy changed the Celtics back to the December Celtics, where they just settled for jumpers and threes, right? And for reasons of physicality, the Celtics, the rest of the game, had no interest in starting to attack the paint, because every time they got there, Brooke Lopez was waiting. 
who might be the best pure rim protector, rim defender in all of basketball. Oh, and that Giannis guy is a help defender is basically the equivalent of a, of a wind turbine. That's, that's, that's basically what he is. He's huge. Good luck shooting past that, even if you're able to break down the initial defense. And the Celtics weren't even willing to try for large portions of the game yesterday, which was by design. Coach Bud had to be cackling on the bench. Let's go back to the phones. 608-796-2558. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? This is Joe. How are you? Joe, I am great. How are you, Joe? Doing well. Just on Daddy Daycare here in Lacrosse. I Long love time that. listener, but uh, figured to give you a jingle. You know, I'm all about the Packers draft. I think things went well across the board. And, uh, you know, as far as the Bucks go, I think stealing a game on the road was huge. I think we can kind of milk this one, you know, just go to bat. I think the Bucks are kind of a playoff team who doesn't really get talked about much along the way. And, yeah. you know, you just kind of hunker down during the regular season. Settle in, don't mess around with any of the playing games, and then just go to work, beat the teams, and go on to face the West in the championship. Well, Joe, during the regular season, I listen to a lot of NBA podcasts, and I would get frustrated because a lot of NBA smart people, bloggers or writers or whoever, were kind of skeptical on the Bucks' defense this year because the Bucks they weren't a top-rated defense. And now it depends on what stat you look at, but they weren't as good as maybe they should have been this year. Now, Brooke Lopez was hurt, but also I just don't think Drew Holiday is completely busting his butt at 100% level every single night. So it was funny yesterday when Brooke Lopez is healthy and everyone except Chris Middleton is there, and now Drew is trying and Giannis is trying. Oh, oh, so the defense is actually really good Maybe they just didn't feel the need to flex that muscle all regular season long. So I think I agree with you. They are built like a playoff team, and that was evident yesterday. Yeah, and it's the same story. I mean, I, I watch less than 100 minutes of NHL hockey during the regular season. Okay. And then all of a sudden, it switches over to the uh, playoffs, and they just try so damn hard <laughs> every single shift. And it's actually a really fun watch. Yeah. So, you know, I think it, it's the same thing. You know, people don't wait in the, in the NBA to, to turn it on in the fourth quarter. You know, they actually play defense. You know, it's good situational basketball. People figure it out and, you know, make shots, be up and you know, win a game. You know, 10 points seems to mean a lot more except for the Timberwolves series and the playoffs than yeah. it does in the regular season. You mentioned hockey, so I'm not a hockey guy. I, I follow from afar. A couple of my best friends are in the hockey. Are you a Wild fan? You know, I'm, I grew up playing hockey. I went to school up at Duluth. My Ooh. wife went to Denver. We played each other a couple times in the national championship uh, on our wedding night included. So we got kind of a saucy little uh, hockey rivalry. But at the end of the day, I mean, I'm I'm – I am, in theory, a hockey guy, but I just don't watch it. I just can't buckle down and watch, you know, a hockey game. You know, uh, in, you know in, in high school, some of my best friends played, and I loved going to watch. It was electric. But if you plot me in front of an NHL game, I I don't know. I'll make it like five minutes. I'll give it a college try. But I, I maybe you need to be there. I've never been to a wild game. Maybe I should go sometime. I've always enjoyed it in person, though. Yeah, and college, college hockey is really the story. I mean, you really? get in there in the student section. Um, I mean, <laughs> the cheers, the chants, the boos. I mean, it's it's the real deal. It's as good as any pro sporting event, hands down. Really? All right, interesting. I've never been to a Badger hockey game. My brother goes to Madison. He's at UW-Madison. So yeah. maybe next winter I'll just be like, hey, I'm going to come down. Do you mind if I stay with you? And I'll crash on his couch and... You know, drink his beer. Yeah, you buy, buy somebody a 12-pack of uh, some, <laughs> some, some Bud Heavies, and you'll be in business. So, oh, that's awesome. All right, I got a report for duty. Enjoy the evening. <laughs> yeah, you too, Joe. Joe's on Daddy Daycare. Thanks for the call, 608-796-2558. We love a first-time caller.
We love that. Yeah, I, I think it was, I'm not saying the Bucks just started to try hard. But so I, I listened to Simmons and Rosillo a lot throughout the regular season. And it drove me a little nuts when Ryan Rosillo is always like, well, the Bucks are, I'll do my Ryan Rosillo impression. You take a look at some of the numbers here, the defensive stuff. Uh, the Bucks are, you know, I, I keep asking myself, really, is that, is that actually, is that the deep, that's the Bucks defense? You look at some of the advanced numbers. You look at the numbers. You look at the numbers. Now, he'll never actually say what the numbers are. Well, sometimes he would. The Bucks, if you looked at defensive rating or defensive efficiency, you know, they'd be, it would be top 10. They wouldn't be top 20 in some of the metrics. And all season long, I'm like, why are we nitpicking the defending champs defense in January? Why would we do that? Brooke Lopez is hurt. Now, if we get to March and April and Brooke Lopez isn't back, then it can become a conversation, right? But why are we nitpicking? It'd be like in, in July, you're going through the garage, right? And you're digging stuff out. You're looking for the American flags. You're putting up decorations, right? You got the kid's bike. Oh, there's the air pump. Let me, let me pump up the kid's bike. You're, you're going through the garage. And you're cleaning things out. And you're trying to get ready for the 4th of July. And you're like, hey, I think the Christmas lights are bad. I don't think these Christmas lights work. And I'm like, hey, it's July. Maybe we worry about that at a later t- later time. We got company coming over. I got to slice this watermelon. You know, get the Come on, get the grill going. You got a bunch of burgers to make, right? I, I found it very odd that we, at times this year, nitpick the Bucks defense in January. And Brooke Lopez isn't healthy. And Drew Holiday isn't going all out. I can't believe how many times this offseason I read or heard you know, Drew Holiday doesn't look the same defensively. Oh, you mean he's not dogging opposing point guards 94 feet up the floor? I wonder why. Because it's January. And then you get to the playoffs of the Celtics. Look at yesterday. Drew Holiday's playing with his hair on fire. Brooke Lopez is still awesome. Giannis is still awesome. Those pieces have been there all along. Maybe they just didn't feel like locking in until the playoffs. They're the defending champs. Can you fault them? I can't. 608-796-2558. Let's go to the phones one more time before we take a break. This looks like another new caller. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Uh, this is Daniel from Madison. Daniel from Madison. What's going on, Daniel? Oh, I just wanted to make a quick comment about uh, the defense of the Bucks. Yeah. Um, I was reading something today about just about uh, their defensive philosophy and how they are okay with giving up the three. Um, and I can't remember exactly who said it, but it was something about, um, like, kind of Coach Bud likes to use missed threes as turnovers or transition starters. I just thought that was kind of interesting because, you know, obviously if you're shooting from 30 feet, the ball's going to go off the rim really hard, and that's a really good way to get Giannis, like, into transition and get some easy buckets. Do you remember where you read this? It was probably on one of the blogs. I don't know. I had a lunch break, and I was yeah. like, shit, I'm, or crap, I might as well uh, oh, good. read up on some of the Buck stuff from yesterday. So Interesting. Now I want to find it because I've never thought about it that way. For a team that's long and loves to run, and the Bucks half-court offense is fine, but it's not this finely well-tuned machine like I think the Suns or some of these other teams have. So it's like the Bucks can score in the half court, but if you can try it, man, that's a really interesting. Maybe this is really obvious, and I've never thought of it before. But I, I've never heard no, that idea, I, Daniel. That's fascinating. I actually, I hadn't thought about that either. But it makes perfect sense when you've got the pieces that the Bucks have. So wow. I just, I just thought that was kind of an interesting thing to add to that conversation. Yeah, it is very, it is very interesting. I'm going to think about it. I'm going to try to find it over this break. Thank you for calling in and adding that, Daniel. It was nice to meet you as well. Yeah. 
You too. Have a good night. That's Daniel and Madison. I, that's fascinating to me. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to try to find that. You know, and I, I've asked before, like, why does Bud want to give up threes? It would be like a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Like, we want to give up passing yards, right? That's that's We'll be weak on purpose for passing. It's like, well, you're never going to win. It's a passing league. Now it's a three-point shooting league. But if you have the rim protectors to completely take away the paint and make teams live or die by the three, and then when they miss threes, it's going to spiral because you're going to get numbers running down the floor, and you have Giannis, who is basically the perfect transition weapon. That's really interesting. Daniel, I'm going to try to find that. I appreciate the call. I want to talk more about Drew Holiday coming up next uh, in this defense a little bit more. Not the idea of giving up threes, but just the way that Drew Holiday strutted into yesterday's game. I feel like we haven't talked about it yet. It's been an hour and 20 minutes into the show, and I, I need to talk about what Drew Holiday did yesterday. Woohoo! That's coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. Got a, t- <laughs> Got a, t- a tweet from Greg, who I believe resides on French Island. It says, please keep the caller's language in check. That was disappointing. Uh, yeah, it was Daniel's first time on the show. Uh, and also, I, what, what do you want me to say? I'm so welcoming and gracious as a host. Callers feel so comfortable, sometimes it just slips out. Also, Daniel made like the best point of the show so far. So, cut him, cut him a little bit of slack. You can text a call if you'd like. 608-796-2558. We're going to talk more about the draft here in about 10 minutes or so. couple things on the Bucks. I'm going to hit really quickly. There's this fun but obnoxious game that I like to play. And sometimes I, I tweet about it and people don't like it. Um, it. It's a game called Giannis Would Never, where a star athlete does something bad or dumb or comes up short in one department or another. And I chime in and say, see, Giannis would never because he's such a great leader, because he's so humble, because of his upbringing, because of his work ethic, because Giannis is perfect, right? He is 100% the perfect athlete and perfect personality for leading a team and contending, right? Does anyone disagree with that? I, I, pretty hard to disagree with that, right? I have an example. Okay, so earlier this weekend, the Wolves and the Grizzlies, I think they played on Friday night, game six. And the Grizzlies advanced past the Wolves. Wolves blew a lead. And the Wolves got really bent out of shape about the refs because that's what they did the entire series, whether it was Carl Anthony Towns or Pat Beverly, right? And I thought Bill Simmons in his podcast yesterday made this really good point, um, and I'm just going to play it for you. The difference between Towns and Giannis is Giannis had that dumb foul in the Celtic game today when he got his fourth foul. He got two fouls really quick in a row. And the fourth one was against Tatum, like 35 feet from the basket. He was trying to make a hero boss deal, bumped into him. He knew it was stupid, and he came out, and Bud's like, come on, dude. And you could just see Giannis was like, that was stupid. I'm not going to do that again. If Towns had done that, he would have bitched at the ref for three minutes about, I can't believe you called that on me, even though I bowled the guy over 35 feet from the basket. What are you, what are you, you know, and he would have been caught up in the call. I thought this was a really good point, right? Giannis and the Bucks strolled, nay, strutted into yesterday's game with, some kind of mindset. And Giannis got pretty beat up. I thought that Giannis could have gone to the line a couple more times. That block that Horford had on him, and I saw this is going around Twitter, so you probably know what I'm talking about, but they show the replay of Horford 
quote unquote blocking Giannis. He's grabbed his jersey, then he gets his elbow, then he gets his wrist, and he hacked he hacked the hell out of him. And Doris Burke is going, that's just such good defense. I'm like, no, it's not. And you can see that it's not, but the video package is being fed to you, and it wasn't called, so I, I understand. A lot of people were ripping on Mark Jones and Doris Burke. I thought they were fine. Every fan always wants to complain about the announcers, and sometimes I do too, I just don't tweet. Wow! Wow! <laughs> uh, the Bucks strutted into this game yesterday. In such a way. And I think the Celtics got up playing the ref game a little bit. And they got in their own heads on that. And the Bucks just didn't. They didn't. Head down. They know what it takes to win a title. And a title is not won or lost by some random call in game one of round two. That's championship medal. Championship medal. It matters. It showed up another way yesterday. With Giannis and especially Drew. Right, These guys rolled into this game, especially with Middleton gone. Maybe they, they took more ownership over things without Chris out there. I don't know. But those two showed up to murder. Just all business. Those two did not come into Boston to have a good time. Drew came into this game yesterday to bully everyone. Seriously, I think he takes the Marcus Smart thing a little personal. There was a play where Marcus Smart was trying to defend Drew, and Drew gave him a little pop, and Marcus Smart goes over, try to draw the charge. And I think Drew is like, this is your this is your guy. This is your defensive player of the year. This guy who's injured himself two or three different ways today, just flopping all over the court. And I like Marcus Smart. I understand he's annoying, but I, I actually think he's like really underrated. We don't talk about how like he's turned himself into a really good guard this year. Really good facilitator on offense, but he's flopping everywhere. And Drew Holiday's like, this effing guy? No respect from Drew Holiday. He came in and played angry. I believe for the first time in a while. 608-796-2558. I believe we have David on the line. David, what the heck? It's been weeks. Oh, hey, how the hell are you? I am uh, I am swell. I'm a lot better now that I know you're alive and well. No, no, I called about, I don't know, two weeks ago, complained about something. Maybe it was about uh, moving second base. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. I think that was the last time we chatted. The moving of second base. How could I forget? So... So. Number one, I loved the draft. Mm -hmm. I did. You know, you're too young to remember, but the Packers of old, when I was a kid, they were known much more for their defense. Bart Starr was good. They had a good offense. It was okay. But it was the defense that was so exciting to watch. I mean, I go through the players who were in the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, Willie Wood, Nitschke, I mean, just guy after guy. Yeah. Adderley. And the current generation, your generation, mm -hmm. doesn't know what it's like to have a great defense. Sound like Dave from Monona right now. But I agree with you. Yeah, I, I agree. Well, the last time the Packers no. had a great defense was 2010, 2014, maybe. That wasn't a great defense. That was not a great well, defense. They were, they were pretty darn you good. You had to be around in the 60s. You had to be around in the 60s. Okay. To really see the great deal. Well, I'm just telling you. No, no, no. And I, I, and I, and I agree with you. By the way, I'm not, I'm not trying to discount your opinion. I'm, no, I'm, I'm listening. I agree with you. No, yeah. no, no. I, it's, it's cool. I'm just telling you that the 2010 team was a good defense. They were not a great defense. And now you can put 11 guys out there if they're not injured. You can put 11 guys out there next year that are going to be a top, I'll say top five, maybe maybe top seven or eight, but it could be top five defense with these two new guys, especially. 
Now, of course, they have to stay healthy. Anyway, so that's just point number one. Yeah. Point number two, everybody is talking about how Adams leaving, you know, you've got 115 or 120 catches that you can't make up for. And, yes, that's true. Yes, absolutely true. But what people are missing is that he drew a double team almost always. Sure, yeah. And, And so as much as his value was in the number of catches he made, which was fantastic. When you've got a receiver out there, when you've got anybody out there who can draw a double team, like Reggie White used to defensively draw a double team, that's what really makes your team better. And and I'm just going to argue that missing, missing him in, in terms of drawing the double team, okay. maybe even missing, missing him more than the number of catches that he brought to the team year after year. Well, I, I think, isn't that the idea of, of having a number one stud wide receiver? You want that guy because you force opposing defenses to change what they do, right? Like, I, I think a lot of Packers fans think, exactly. well, why do, why do we need a number one? Why can't we just have three or four guys that are really good? Well, that might work, but the value of having a Devontae Adams is you force that defensive coordinator all week to come up with new things and put new things and change things around and move guys. And without... Adams, maybe you're right. Maybe the issue isn't going to be the catches because I'm not sure LaFleur really wants to throw the ball that much anyways. And when he does, I'm sure he wants it to be very controlled, very, very, you know, much low key, not, you know, a lot of back shoulder stuff. But having defensive coordinators kind of chasing their tail for a week coming in to play Devontae Adams, I think that's really valuable. I think you're right. Makes your running game better. Makes your other receivers better. They can't double three guys. So anyway, I love the draft. I would love to see us return to the days where the real confidence in the team is that the de- defense and our revitalized special team, of course. I, I think they drafted with that in mind a little bit. Hey, David, I, I can tell that you're wrapping up here. Before you go, so I got a text uh, saying that you have selective memory because Reggie White, Leroy Butler, that defense was number one and super dominant. In your memory, is there even a line of demarcation between the 60s and that top defense in the late 90s? Are you saying that the 2010 defense was number one in the NFL? No, no, no. no. He, he's saying the, the Reggie White, Leroy Butler Super Bowl defense, not the 2010. Uh, possible. Possible. Okay. I, Honestly, I don't remember the 96 team that well. Okay. I'm not, I'm not trying again, to put you on trial. that was one year. Wondering. Yeah, you're right. Well, that was one year. Yeah, that's a good point. The Packer defense in the 60s was year after year after year. You could expect that they would hold a team to two touchdowns or less. Interesting. All right. All right. Well, you've given me a lot to ponder. I actually want to talk about this idea because I, I saw a tweet about how the Packers defense might actually be better than the offense for the first time in a while. I think that's what we're going to talk about next, and I appreciate you giving me some ammo here, David. Thanks for the call. Nice talk to you. Take hey, care. You as well. It had been a while. Don't scare me like that. Thank you, David. 608-796-2558. Does anyone know if Brenda and Madison is okay? Did she move? I haven't heard from Brenda in a while either. I do worry when I don't hear from someone in a while. Something happened. Change locate. I mean, you can still stream the show, Brenda. If you moved across the country, this doesn't exclude you. This doesn't excuse you from calling into the show. That's all I'm saying. Just send me a text at least. Let me know you're okay. Still exist. Sheesh. Let's talk more about what David was talking about. Mike Renner, good friend of show. He was on two weeks ago. 
I thought it was a blast of an interview. I'm like, the first time he's on the show, I think it was the worst interview I've ever done. He tweeted this. Uh, what's the date today? Today, May 1st, May 2nd. So he tweeted it yesterday. This might be the first time since Aaron Rodgers took over his starter that the Packers' defense looks better on paper than their offense. This is interesting to me, and I want to talk about it coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having an awesome week so far. Now, when my team loses, it doesn't ruin my week unless it's the Packers losing in the NFC Championship game. That, that'll put a damper on the week. I think that's fair. But I try, as a general rule of thumb, to not let a game ruin my day or ruin my week, right? And that's a goal. I used to be really bad about it when I was a little younger. When I was in high school and college, I would just I would get so mad. And now I try to not let games ruin my day. And I think if the Bucks would have lost yesterday, it wouldn't have ruined my day, wouldn't have ruined my week. But them winning, I, I mean, come on. Uh, probably got a little extra pep in my stuff today. Just a little bit. I think that's fair. Hopefully you're feeling the same way. I want to talk about the draft, and I want to talk about the Packers' defense. But first, I, I, I put up the bat signal, the Brenda signal, and she answered the call. Brenda and Madison. Brenda, what's going on? It's been a while. It has, but it doesn't mean I'm not listening. It just means I'm not calling it. <laughs> and that's – and by the way, that's what 100% fine – I. Every once in a while on the show, I say when I read the numbers, like, you don't have to call. You can if you want. So I don't mean to put pressure on you. It just it has just been a while. I was, I don't know. We haven't talked to Orlando Arcia. You haven't called in to talk about the Brewers offense yet. So I was worried. This this makes me happy. Well, I wasn't allowed to talk about the Brewers offense until recently. <laughs> even then, they stunk it up yesterday and couldn't get any runs to help Burns out. Why is it always Burns that they can't get any runs for? I don't know. It stinks. Have, it's have the, you noticed that? Yeah, and it's to the point where when I watch Brewers starters, I think, why do we even keep track of wins? Because these guys are so good, and yet they're never winning games. And a lot of times they're losing them, and they don't deserve it. And I'm like, this is such a useless stat. Why do we, And the Brewers have really tainted the way I view wins and losses the last two years. Right. And if the Brewers score five or more runs, they're usually winning. I mean, so the bats just need to wake up and do something. And, I mean, the game on Friday and the game on Saturday were so much fun to watch. Oh, my God, that was fun. Yeah. Like, yes, they were just they were just piling it on, and it was it was it was a thing of beauty. And then yesterday, it was like seriously, Brenda. Seriously. I I will say, if the Brewers don't get a no hitter this year against the Cubs, the Reds, or the Pirates, I don't know if it's ever going to happen in our lifetime because these these teams stink. These teams suck, and if if they can't get a no hitter uh, yeah, off one of them, each one has a, but each of those teams has at least one or two decent hitters on them. I could see the Pirates. I could definitely see it happening against the Pirates. The Cubs have a few good hitters, mm-hmm. and the Cardinals definitely have a few strong bats. So I don't know about the no-hitter thing, but I think they can definitely do okay. Um, the draft, I kind of give the Packers probably like a B plus. Okay. Okay. I, I think they could have done a little bit better with maybe a few other choices, but I, I'm not upset with any of their choices. Um, a little worried about the dropsies on the wide receiver. Yeah. Um, kind of has a case of the dropsies. But you know what? That can hopefully be remedied and maybe, you know, he deserves a chance. Um, that's why I think I give it a B plus is because 
you know, it's kind of the wait and see. I like the two defensive guys. I think they definitely needed some defense, and I don't mind those in the first round. Yeah. I think that was good choices. Um, so I, I'm not upset with any other picks. I just cautiously optimistic put it that way yeah that's fair I, I think we should view the draft like uh we view going to going to a concert let's say you go to your your favorite band your favorite artist right and you're hoping to hear certain songs ideally you want to hear all your favorite songs but if you don't you still get to hear other songs right like you can't hear every song at every concert by your favorite artist just like you can't get every player you want in the draft I think the Packers did okay. I don't know. Christian Watson worries me. I think we're in the same boat on him. The hands thing scares me. But other than that, I love it. Yeah, it was it wasn't it wasn't their definitely it definitely was not their worst draft. I don't know if it was their best, but it definitely wasn't their worst. That's <laughs> well that's a great way that's a great way to put it. They've had worse drafts. I think of the Jordan Love draft. I'm like, ah, I don't know. I'm just glad we didn't I'm glad we didn't take a quarterback. That's all, Brenda. That's I'm just happy. With yeah. You. I am too. They need to trade that one away and get something for him. Uh, maybe another wide receiver. Uh, yeah, can't hurt. Maybe one that can right? catch. One that has hands, maybe, and isn't a rookie. Hopefully. So I don't call in all the time, and sometimes with the Brewer game starting at you know like six, seven o'clock, sometimes you're you're just wrapping up when I'm getting in my car. Yeah, I know. We we all have busy lives. I get it, Brenda. But it was nice. I appreciate you calling in uh, and indulging me for a couple minutes. I hope life is well. Life is great. You have a good one. Yeah, you as well. Brenda in Madison, ladies and gentlemen. She's alive and well, and she's listening. She's just busy, which I uh, <laughs> I understand. Uh, I'm sorry to strong arm you into calling. That was, uh, well, I was going to say that wasn't my intention, but it totally was because that's literally and explicitly what I said was told her to call. Uh, so I guess that was my intention. 608-796-2558, Twitter, at Wisco Grant. There's this tweet here that I wanted to... Uh, think over. Uh, This is Mike Renner, PFF underscore Mike. This might be the first time Aaron Rodgers took over as the starter that the Packers defense looks better on paper than their offense. Hmm. Okay, so you read this, and what do we immediately do? When we see someone give their opinion, what do we immediately do? We try to to prove them wrong. Well, no, you forgot about this year. You forgot about this year. Okay, so let's try to poke a hole in this. Mike says that this is the first time in Aaron Rodgers' career the defense looks better than the offense on paper. Okay, let's think of 2010, right? The defense that year was very good. That iteration, the early iteration of Dom Capers' defense is an interesting one to me because they stunk in 2009, they stunk in 2011, and they stunk in 2012. But 2010, elite, great, you know, top 10 defense. I think Dom Capers, the way he coordinated that defense made such a difference made such a big deal because his thing was turnovers over everything else. Remember it's all about forcing turnovers, turning the ball over and they probably don't win the Super Bowl without some of those turnovers in 2010, right? All of those Tremont Williams interceptions, one against the Eagles, another against the Falcons and then the BJ Raji pick. And they had a pick six, like they had a pick six in the Atlanta game in the Chicago game. And then they had a pick six in the Pittsburgh game. Damn. I've never even thought about that. That's probably something you've thought about before. Why am I? I'm just remembering that. They had a pick six in three straight games, divisional round, uh, NFC Championship and Super Bowl. And then they had a Tremont Williams interception in the end zone against the Eagles that sealed that game. If that interception doesn't happen, I don't know, maybe the Eagles come back and win. So the turnover certainly helped them. They won the Super Bowl because of the turnovers, but did their obsession with forcing turnovers 
in 2009, 2011, 2012 with mostly the same personnel. Did their obsession with turnovers hold them back from being what could have been a pretty good defense? Maybe not elite to the level of 2010, but could they have been pretty good in 2009, 2011 if their strategy was a little bit less turnover dependent? I don't know. That defense had some really good players, really, really good players. Now, I think this defense, if they all remain healthy, is probably a little bit better on paper. What about 2014, right? Now, I don't remember the 2014 team as well, but that was the year Clay Matthews had a little bit of a renaissance moving to inside linebacker, right? Julius Peppers probably had a top year of his career. It was as good as he was ever going to play again, right? Who's playing corner? Was that Sam Shields? Tremont Williams is still there. Defensive line. I don't remember. See that 2014 team. I think my mind has worked to erase as much of that team as possible because of how that season ended. But in 2010, the Packers offense was really good. Those wide receivers were really, really good. And in 2014, they were pretty good too. Eddie Lacy was arguably the best running back in the league. And Jordy Nelson, I think that year had the most dominant season of wide receiver. I don't know. Cooper Cup's up there. You could think of years since then, but for the last decade, Jordy Nelson's 2014 campaign is up there with anyone. You can even stack that performance up with, with any other wide receiver. So comparing the offense to the defense, there wasn't this crazy outlier. There wasn't a, a crazy discrepancy, which would be the word I use. In 2010, the offense is pretty good, and so is the defense, and same in 2014. 2022, I'm not sure. Is this offense elite? Now, Aaron Rodgers is really good. He's won two straight MVPs. And I like their backs. I like their coach. I like their line. But that's about it. You can't compare the receiving core now to what was here in 2010 or 2014. I don't think you can compare the tight ends. I don't think you, you know what I mean? So I think the discrepancy this year between the offense and the defense, as Mike Renner hints, is probably because the offense is a little bit less than what we're used to, not because the defense is great. Although, man, those first two picks from Georgia, that, that's just such a shot in the arm to a, to a defense that's already trending up. You know what I mean? That defensive front was already good, and then they added Reed this offseason, and then they added Devontae White. Devontae White's the best interior rusher in this draft, right? If you wanted to get Kenny Clark a running mate, you got him the best available option in all of the draft, and you did it at the end of the first round. The up-ball linebacker you picked is really comparable to Devondre Campbell, and he's not even going to have to start. He's not going to have to be your number one. Jair Alexander's coming back healthy. He was basically absent last year. Hopefully, Eric Stokes gets a year better. Hopefully, Rasul Douglas is back as a ninth depth piece. Man, I just... I, I, I think the defense is much better on paper this year, not because this defense is way better than 2014 and in 2010, although I, I hope that it can be. I just think it's because the offense is much worse on paper on paper, than what we saw in 2014 and 2010. Really interesting concept. Maybe one we'll revisit at some point this week or maybe in the offseason. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up the Wisco Sports Show coming back here in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. Last couple of minutes, we've talked a lot about the Bucks beating the Celtics, all the good things that Coach Bud did, the mindset and the approach that Giannis took, that Drew Holiday took. I was blown away by Drew Holiday. Oh, and for those of you that thought 
the Bucks' defense had taken a step back this year. Maybe it's because Brook Lopez was hurt. Maybe it's because Drew Holiday didn't really care about defense that much during the regular season. He's still a good defender. How about so many NBA talking heads, smart ones, through January and February? Man, why uh, why does the Bucks' defense? Why is it lagging behind? Why is it 25? Why is it 20? It should be top three. Because they're not trying that hard. Because they just played into June and July, and then they played in Tokyo, and now they're back playing again. One aspect of being an NBA contender, especially a repeat NBA contender, it's like another season. It's like another season. That's what makes what LeBron did for the longest time impressive. It's what made the Warriors impressive for so long, and I think it eventually caught up with them because Clay couldn't get healthy and... Draymond and Steph have always been a little bit brittle. Not too terribly brittle, but a little bit. Uh, we got time. Yeah, I see the phone ringing. I think we got a couple of minutes. Eric on I-90. Eric, what's up? Hey, how you doing, bud? I'm doing swell. Buck's got me in a good mood. I got something in the slow cooker waiting for me when I get home, so that's something I don't have to worry about tonight. I'm I'm living life, my friend. You don't worry about the slow cooker, then? No. I don't, I, I'll have food waiting for me. I don't have to... I'm not worried, oh, when I get home, what am I going to eat? Do I got to stop at Quick Trip? Do I got to? No, no, no. It's warm. It's waiting for me. It's been cooking all day. That's pretty nice. What are you eating? Uh, it's a, if you must know, I chopped up some leftover vegetables yesterday and made a pork roast that I had, uh, that I hadn't done anything with, so I just left it in the slow cooker today. Gonna cook a pork roast. That sounds really good, Grant. Yeah, I think it is going to be pretty good. I'm excited, as I said. So I want to stay on topic here. Uh, you know, Dave called in, and and I think Dave is absolutely right. I didn't get to see any Packers in the '60s, but you know, the evolution of the game to the offensive side of the ball is those, those great defenses are long gone, right? Yeah, I just think well, the game's tilted so much more to offense. You got to get turnovers. You got to get stops in the red zone. It's just it's played differently now. You're not going to force. A half dozen right. punts a game, yeah. Right, and you know a guy, you know a guy goes over the middle and, and they take his head off. You know that's exactly. what they did in the sixties. Yeah, they took his head right off, and he didn't want to, he didn't want to do it ever again. You know, so I, I I think he's right, but I don't think we're going to see those great defenses again like that, just because of the nature of the game now. Yeah, and I. Dude, I love that they got a, that stud defensive lineman has me so excited, right? I just, when you can have next to Kenny Clark and you have, can have somebody else to now have flexibility to move guys around. I, I know the wide receiver needed a trade up. And by the way, thank you to your Vikings for accommodating our general manager and letting him sneak well, up the board a little bit. I appreciate that. We're more than happy to give you a guy who's got ping pong paddles for hands. <laughs> I mean, I know that's, I'm not the biggest Watson guy. He was he worried me a little bit, but now he's on my team and I'm gonna defend him till I die, of course. Well, I guess I would want to understand. I mean, he's he played four years, right? Uh, I don't He played four years in college, right? I can go look. I don't no. know. I think he played three, I think. Played three? Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know why they think he's gonna get better at catching the ball. I mean, the ball velocity's going up now. You know, um, I don't know. That's, that's okay. I think the Vikings did okay in their draft. Yeah, I like seeing that safety. I think he's going to be a stud for you guys. I think that was a great pick. Yeah, we needed we needed a lot of defense. I thought they should go with my idea, you know, and draft the best center available, but they didn't. 
They never listen to me. You know? <laughs> well, I listen to you, Eric. Unfortunately, so, I have to let you go because the show's wrapping up, but I appreciate hearing from you. Go Bucks! Go Bucks! Hey, go Bucks. hey, hey, really quickly, I'm in for Dave the next couple of mornings, and three hours is a really long show, so if you want to call in and chat at any point during the morning show this week, I'd, I'd be more than happy. Yeah, I, I, this morning was kind of surprised, and they're like, and I didn't, I didn't catch the beginning of the show. It was the best of, and um, there's like, there's a lot of talk from, you know, Aaron Rodgers. I'm like, what's he got to talk about? You know, yeah, uh, I, I, so, but it was, a, it was the best of, right? Yeah, it was the best of. I'll be on tomorrow and uh, through the rest of the week, Eric. You have a good night. I, I truly have to go. There's like 15 seconds left, but maybe we can chat at some point this week on this show or in the morning. Enjoy the playoff games tonight. We got a couple basketball games. We got the Brewers. We'll be back tomorrow to talk about it all and more draft. We got a lot to parse through. Have a good night. I'll be back tomorrow starting at four.